Hi. Is Hi. this thing even on? I don't know what's going. Yeah. Oh, are I you see some. I see some waveforms. Are you listening to me, Scott? Sean, I'm never not listening to you. Listen to me. Pay attention to me. I feel like my mic could be louder. Heather, mm. pay attention to me. Can yeah, you talk? I'm talking. You can be. You can be closer. Just lean in. <laughs> yeah. Lean right in there. Uh, Sean's got the right idea. Some fucking leaning in. Leaning in. Lean right into it, Heather. Foulmouth Podcast. It's about birds. Welcome to episode six of Foulmouth Podcast. I'm Heather. I'm Scott. I'm Sean. On this episode, we're going to catch up on what we've been up to, talk about some bird news, and give some birding 101 tips. As best so... as we can. What? I said as best as we can. <laughs> I was just interjecting. Pro pro to, pro tips for noobs by noobs. Pro tips for noobs. Um, so Sean, what have you been up to? I've been up to fucking sweating because it's hot as hell oh in God, Connecticut. It's awful. It's disgusting right now. We hate it. It's not fun to go birding. But I did go get a lifer the other day. Uh, there's some red crossbills hanging out in Connecticut right now up in the northwest corner. It's beautiful up there. Pretty, like, expansive woods and small ponds and lots of fucking rich hippies. Where did you go? Uh, I was in this place called Norfolk, Connecticut at this small private pond. So I just hung out on the road. Mm, a family and, private pond? Yeah, I think they, like, own a bunch of, like, property up there and they're super protective of the land and they do a really good job taking care of everything um and these birds uh were just hanging out like in their on their property um connecticut's had a really good cone crop this year of uh for us it's the white pines that they come for those cones um and uh yeah so i drove way too fucking far way too early in the morning to stand in way too hot a sun for four hours waiting in oh. one spot <laughs> for these birds to come but they did and they were super close they're hanging out on the ground um doing red cross bill things and there was a couple of people hanging out um tina green found this one one of our uh, local connecticut mega birders she's got a big old list and seems to find all the rare stuff so I jumped on that train. I did that Tuesday. That was my, uh, that's been what I've been doing, just waiting for something cool to show up in Connecticut because I'm fucking desperate, like nice. fiending for rarities that's or a, vagrants. That's a good Tuesday. Yeah, it was a pretty good Tuesday. They're a dirty looking bird. They are kind of dirty looking, but Sick. I they're kind of like the crust punk of birds. Yeah, they have like wicked oh, yeah. cool, their coloration's cool, their, uh, their bills are fucking weird and they're a cool bird it's not a straight red right or yellow it's the, like i think the the adult males will get to be pretty red hmm. but um they have like a some awkward awkward stages as we all do growing up and their plumage variation is a little, little bit odd so yeah there but that was really exciting it's a bird that i've been chasing all around new england for a really long time well as long as i've been birding which isn't really that long but it feels like a long time I've been places where they've been reported, and I've just not gotten to see them, just be, be behavior-wise. So. Are they overall rare, or just... No, it's it's a kinetic... They're rare for us, because okay. we're a little bit south for the cone crop to be... Um, for To have, like, a successful year after year. So we get them in, like, different stages. 
And it just so happens that right now the cone crop up north is not that great, but it is really good here. So mm. cone crop. The, yep, the Adirondacks are bumping with red crossbills right now, and we're uh, we're getting a little bit of overflow, and it's kind of nice, some, making some people happy. They've been pretty uh, pretty easy to find. They're just hanging out on this corner of a road, <laughs> hanging out in the trees, flying around eating fucking pine cones. So. That's what I've been up to. There was tons of cool uh, warblers breeding up there too. So I had like a spring day in the hot, one of the hottest days of the year, which was really rad. I had like mm. thirty plus species and Jeez. with like black throated green warbler and perula, and uh, I had a bunch of chestnut sided warblers. Wow. It's like um, least flycatchers. Yeah, There's it's like multiples. migration all over again. Yeah, in this little breeding corner of the state, it's like the like one of those cool concentrations of really cool birds all in one pl- one yeah. spot so yeah it was pretty stoked i grew up in that area and i didn't yeah. even freaking know well now you know <laughs> you can go you can drive really fucking far oh. so if only I could yeah turn back time mm. oh you and Cher. yeah teen heather birding alone <laughs> in like fishnet stockings yeah. and a dog a spiked dog collar the most goth, <laughs> sad, lonely birder, just so scaring good. locals in like those <laughs> tiny little towns. That'd be so fucking hilarious to see. I love it. Um, what have you guys been doing, Scott? You got anything good? Oh man, I've been backyard birding. Um, so we have oh, uh, yeah, a few. Um, the storm. So we had a crazy yeah. the berry when berry blew in. The yeah. bits of berry, yeah. bit of berry that we've been getting. Right. Um, <laughs> a little bit of berry. A little bit of berry. We had like some crazy um, thunderstorms. Mm-hmm. And after one blue wind, Scott looked out our window to the bird feeder and you saw. <laughs> oh, I thought you <laughs> were going to take it finish, over. Finish the story. Well, you were looking at me. Well, I did, honestly, I didn't know where you were going. Oh. But. That's totally fine. Um, I was gonna say. Well, so we have uh, we have some uh, cardinal fledglings mm-hmm. that oh, cool. have been bouncing around um, some ewes and um, uh, some shrubs uh, in the backyard, and we've had a lot of weird um, we've had a lot of weird um, feeder activity. So, like starlings and blue jays. And cardinals sort of like fighting for space with the house sparrows. And meanwhile, on the ground is like, you know, a ratty looking squirrel, a a big fat squirrel. There's a squirrel, by the way, who has like a four and a half foot uh, vertical leap who keeps getting to our feeder. So we have to keep raising it. That's wild. He's like completely circumvented the anti-squirrel technology on the post. And he just does a straight vertical leap, like four and a half feet up in the air. This is how it starts. Yeah. This is no. it's absolutely so, so we kept wondering we kept wondering how he was doing it and then I finally caught him just caught him doing vertical it. leaping. It just turns out physics aren't real for that one yeah. squirrel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like what the fuck? They are just like sick athletic. And so um yeah. Oh, so I know what you were leading up to, yes. which was the um Right, so I'm I'm just like hanging out at the window with James because James is doing this new thing now. Where he walks over to the window and he can't see out of it because it's he's you know like he's, two he's feet a tall. Tiny baby. <laughs> he's, he's eleven months old, um, but he'll 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 get over there, sort of put his hands up on the sill and just start crying, and that's our cue 
to grab a chair and push the chair up to the window so he can he can climb up and look out the window and, and do birding. And um, and so we, we did this and all of a sudden I just see this big streak of yellow and it's like twice the size of a goldfinch. And I'm just like, what is this bird? Um, and it was a, uh, a juvenile male uh, orchard oriole. Oh, nice. Which we've never seen in the yard. Mm-mm. That's a weird. And that's a weird yard. It's bird. a weird yard bird. And then, um, and then immediately behind it was uh, a female, and the male just sort of uh, went at the feeder, never landed on the feeder, then up into the silver maple, and then out. And then the female just sort of took off after him, and that was it. <laughs> it was it was really weird. Yeah, it was like I only a saw the female. Oh, I wonder where they're nesting around here. That's an odd one. I I see them places, but it's always typical where. Well, this you, again, right. this was after Barry, like the, not Barry, but oh, so the, they were just fucking like we have. They, they were got just blown lost. around. Like, where the hell are we? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Where's the food? I don't want this food. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Holy it might shit. have just been blown around, but that's um, a cool ass yard bird. Are you guys keeping a yard bird yes. list? Yeah. And okay. Yeah, it's really, that's a good yard bird. And we've yeah, had yeah. random ones. So the most random yard bird, which we're going to talk about more on in a you know, upcoming episodes is that we got a baby wood duck that ran through our backyard. Oh, that's the cutest yard bird. This is the cutest yard bird. It's Um, all over social media. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We talked about it a little bit already um, on our uh, Instagram. So you can go check that out at Foulmouse Podcast on Instagram. But um, yeah, Scott and I were out in the patio talking and James was taking a nap and I hear like peeping and it didn't sound like a typical baby bird and it didn't sound like a sparrow or anything like that so it really caught my attention couldn't even focus on what scott was saying and not unusual yeah exactly i knew i was waiting for you guys and i i turn around and i hear rustling and i'm like looking and all of a sudden like pops out a little baby duck and is just taken off full speed and ran through our yard i grabbed a box and i'm like looking for the family i i assume this is like somehow like a duck make way for the the ducklings right yeah and then there's it's like being chased by the parents and more ducklings but there was no family mother yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah, it was really weird and i mean our neighborhood is fine but it's not that great of a neighborhood well (laughs) you shouldn't be alone is all i'm saying i looked on on um, Google Maps and figured it out. We're a quarter mile from any of the actual wa- bodies of water. Mm-hmm. So oh. yeah, that's a wayward duck. And, yeah. yeah, I mean, unless and- there's some rando like pool in the middle of like like a vernal pool that's still flooded or something like that, like somewhere because I know they'll sometimes hang out in the woods. No closer, still. no closer. I mean, literally, we're in a suburb. Yeah. Yeah. With sidewalks so and rows for, of houses. For people to get an idea of where we are, we are surrounded by houses. Where there's a park near us, but it's down the street. So that wood duck, if it so say there's a vernal pool by the by the basketball woods. courts. Yeah, by the basketball <laughs> courts. Say there's a vernal pool there. I just it, snorted. It would, <laughs> it would have had to run across the parking lot by the basketball courts across the, across street. the street where people are speeding up the sidewalk up the sidewalk five houses like <laughs> around the back yeah like under a, so fence. a really fucking long walk for yeah. a little duck well this was not a walking duck this was a peeping was like flapping a, a week old week old yeah. 
freaked out little baby dog. Oh my god! Did you so, vomit from the cuteness? I would have. Just it was all over uncontrolled. It. It we, was... we almost vomited <laughs> when the the local three legged fox tripod joined us in the front yard to try to get the the duckling. That was a clo- oh. it was, no joke. I've always wanted like a fox five feet to be close to me. Like <laughs> I love foxes, but. I shooed this one away and it was literally like three or four feet away from me trying to get up on the little baby duckling. I don't know who I'd want to cuddle with more. I know. It was, <laughs> no, I was a hard like, one. the answer is ah! both, both at once. Oh my gosh. Just be friends. But I was Snuggle like, me. but I literally like shoot it away with the box and I was like, not today, Fox. <laughs> Having a, giving the fox a fucking talk while you're rescuing a duck. It's good. I, it was wild. Just a yeah, casual day in the suburbs. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'll just wrap up with one more quick weird um, yard bird. So while we were down in Pennsylvania visiting my folks, oh, yeah. um, we kept hearing a wood thrush. Again, they live like, essentially in the suburbs. They're like, um, I think they're just outside the, the city limits mm-hmm. of Lancaster. And um, we kept hearing a wood thrush and we found it uh, in a neighbor's yard. So hmm. the houses, some of them have, um, the, the blocks are arranged such that some of the houses have like what would be two different houses, like back to back, they have like an extended property. And so they usually let that sort of just grow over, mm-hmm. right? And in one of those grown over extra long backyards was a wood thrush. And then the next day, uh, it was at the bottom of our driveway in about 10 feet up in a maple tree. Just singing. Screaming. Yeah. Okay. A lot. And this is weird, right? Because this, this is like a deep woods bird. Yeah. And it's just like hanging out over a street, cars going by, and it's just singing and singing and singing. And then my mom texted me the other day. It was in her bird bath. It was in her bird bath, singing away, just like dipping. Bougie fucking wood thrush. Dude, I have, I have no idea who he's been hanging out with, what kind of lessons he's been learning. But Well, good for him, living yeah. his fucking, living his best life. Best life. Get it. Get out of the woods, into the into the neighborhoods. and. It's a beautiful neighborhood, so sure he's doing great. Good for him. Good for him. That's the come up right there. Yeah. Yeah. So... That's what we've been up to. That's um, a lot, actually. You guys have been up to way more than me, so fuck you. Not really. No, it's just it's just happened in our backyard. I've done that's shit. Right. <laughs> I just been sweating. I like. I mean, we did go to Pennsylvania, but we didn't actually see it in the. Oh, you know what we tried to see in Pennsylvania? <laughs> whistling ducks. We did try to see whist- whistling ducks. The black-bellied whistling ducks. Yes. Oh, was there like a big flock of them there? They no. Been there were, super... There was a mating pair. Oh wow, and that that's was cool. It. But we didn't see him. No, we we dragged the family out into the hot noonday sun into like mm-hmm. a park we've never been to. So there was like no shade. And James was like sacrificing the health of our child. Yeah, James was like, get hey. me the fuck out of here. We actually had an Ikea umbrella that we yeah. were holding over him so that he could <laughs> like not burn alive. Um, And it was just a lot of Canadian geese. They were Canadian. Or a. A. Goddamn Canadians! No, so there was no so no whistling no duck, ducks. No. no whistling ducks. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, uh, at least you went on a chase. That's your first chase in a Such while since that prothonotary. So yep. you know, good, good on. We you. had to because of you and the podcast. Like we like you know had to. Yeah, no, it's good. 
Sorry, and congratulations. Thanks. On seeing a cool wood thrush. And I'm so <laughs> so I'm I think gonna, next up is the news. I'm going to keep forcing you to do shit. So, Sean, you want to talk about, um, you All did right, some so, research about the crossbill? Yeah, as, a, as is pretty standard, I saw something cool, and then I started reading more about it, as I'm prone to doing. So, And I just thought, I, I learned a bunch of stuff about them, and I think that they're a cool bird to go look at if you get a, the opportunity. They're bills. They're crossed, and they use the, they're crossed, like, literally crossed when you see them up close. It's, like, so hard to, it looks like they're deformed or something, but they stick that lower, they're, like, mandible, their lower bill up under the, into the seeds, so they can pull the seed out, because um, they're, they're eating shit that other birds can't eat. So they're these specialized uh, eaters. They're, um, they're nomadic. They don't have, like, a, a range, necessarily. They just basically are following the food in these big groups of uh they'll breed wherever they are at that time typically i think sometime in like the winter which is like off (laughs) from everything else (laughs) they're super fucking weird so they have um they have these crazy uh behavior patterns they just sort of fly around and then because they eat shitty food they uh, do that this thing graveling you know mm. well, you see a lot of mm. birds go down and pick up the grit but I think mm. they do it more than others um, like we that's like what everybody's been seeing this these ones um, in Connecticut doing a lot of it so uh, I think just because they're trying to break up the food and stuff like that but it's hmm. fucking weird to like see this like odd bird eating dirt <laughs> for like <laughs> and if you don't know anything about them and you're just like there you happen to see them like the behavior super weird uh, they're like flying in, watching everything. They're kind of bold. Like they came pretty close to a, the few of us that were there. Um, and so I, you know, it's just, I did a little bit more research. And so there's a whole bunch of, um, of, uh, different subspecies of them, um, that are all based on the type of cone that they eat. So they're like, their bills are all maybe a little bit different, um, mm to specialize uh, in one specific cone like ponderosas or ours have our white pines. They have like slight variations in song, um, but they all kind of, they all basically look the same and they'll all interbreed. Um, and I found in two seven, 2017 in Idaho, there's a, a specific place in Idaho and it's called Cassia or Cassia, C-A-S-S-I-A. That was the one I was just pulling up. And that's the, they were just split off because they don't uh, interbreed with the other subspecies. They are, they only breed with themselves. They are only found in this one area in Idaho. I think Idaho, right? Yeah, I I think I'm right about that. And uh, Idaho. Yeah, and they, they have like way different bills. They're like way heavier. And I guess it's just because they're eating one thing all the time. They're not nomadic. They like do nothing like the other red cross bills, but they look exactly the same. <laughs> so it's really funny. Like uh, the more you read, the more you learn about these things. Like this is they're like. It's like the map is just all gray. And then there's this like little bit of purple in this one tiny section of Idaho. Of their brain, their uh, range map. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's just like it little It in the South Hills, which is funny. You know, it is the South. Okay, never mind. It's so what is it, for the uh, for the non 
exclusively Idaho crossbill. Uh, what's the general range for? Are we talking like uh, like literally like Canada anywhere. and the northern U.S.? Yeah, like, so typically they're found like in the north, okay. right? Canada, northern northern U.S. But really, they'll they they follow the crop. So if hmm. if for some reason there's no there's no cones in Canada, they're coming south. And right now, like that's why there there's so many in the Adirondacks right now. They're just they're down here, eating, following crops and doing their thing. They're really uh, it, it's I've never really thought about nomadic birds like that. But um, hmm. yeah, it's because we're we're so used to talking about migration and all of that stuff and like flying to breeding territory and then flying back to where they overwinter and all right. of that. Like we don't talk about nomadic birds very often. Yeah, but, uh, I mean it, it also seems sort of dangerous um to be this sort of like really specialized eater right because then if the one specific coniferous tree that you're after gets those weird beetle infestations you know then you potentially see a huge die-off absolutely do you know how their populations are doing are they um i don't i think that it's more likely you're going to see information on the specific subspecies Mm -hmm. um Obviously, I think with the the Idaho the cassia um, mm. or cassia uh, crossbill, they're probably automatically considered threatened at least because of their isolated range. Mm-hmm. Um, the others, I think, like you said, if like a, if there's a particularly devastating blight or of of anything coming in, then that one subspecies would probably be, be affected mm. if it's only hitting like one specific type of tree. Yeah. Now that I did read though was pretty cool there. Um, some of the subspecies will be found in the same places because there will be groves of different trees, like all in the same spot, all with cones. So you might find different subspecies all in one area. And then it comes down to being really good at knowing like what the tree is, what the cone situation's like, and also like knowing what their different calls and stuff like that are, which is pretty mm. cool. Like it, the, the, the depth that you can go is, yeah. is fucking insane. So, um, all about birds says prior to 2017, the Cassia crossbill was considered one of 10 types of red crossbill, all distinguished by differences in ten their calls types. and slight differences in bill size. Yeah. But researchers discovered that it doesn't breed with other crossbills, has a thicker bill, and isn't nomadic. Yeah, just it's that. not just the size us. of the bill anyway. <laughs> <laughs> the thicker the bill, the uh, the gnarlier the cone, I guess, right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Good save, Sean. Oh, Keep us out of that, <laughs> out of that fucking pit. <laughs> um, I've got a, I've got a, a bird that I've been reading about a little bit. That's almost the exact opposite of this highly specialized and and rare nomadic bird, <laughs> yeah. uh, which is the which is the the majestic. Carolina pigeon. Carolina pigeon. Also also known as a morning dove <laughs> or a rain dove. I've never or... heard anything but morning dove. Carolina pigeon is a real Yeah, Carolina pigeon. Oh my god. Mm-hmm. I love that. That's way better than morning dove. I agree. No longer. I'll I'll only ever use that in the future. I don't know what uh body is responsible for naming birds, but we might want to think about just canon morning dove and sticking with Yeah. Car- <laughs> I guess once you're past the Latin it's 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 you know it's free. It's open. Yeah. Anyone can have a shot. Yeah, Taxonomy. Oh, yeah. Wikipedia yeah. says once was known as a Carolina pigeon. Well, once is good enough for me. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes the old always. ways are the best ways. 
Um, yeah, so you know, this is this is one of those ubiquitous uh, backyard birds, um, which is hilarious because if you look at the Cornell site about how to attract them, it's like <laughs> essentially walk outside. You know, they're like, well, you can spread seeds, specifically, um, you know, millet or something like that. But it's just like if you have a bird feeder, you're gonna have morning doves. Um, they're all over the United States. There are you know hundreds of millions of them. Um, they're absolutely super not endangered at all. Um, they are the most hunted game bird in the United States, which I didn't know. Uh, that um, is something nuts. like 20 million of them are shot a year, uh, which I, I didn't even. I mean, apparently you can eat them. I, who the fuck eats I, morning? I, yeah, yeah, like who people is eat this? squirrels. I mean, I don't. I don't know. I, I mean, don't, I mean, I would even. I see squirrel eating. I, I mean, they're they're like. <laughs> I hearty, eat. I me a squirrel. Hardy little fuckers. They got those ham hocks for yeah, legs. Yeah, but they're you know? so sinewy. Yeah, I guess that's true. I love that. Every year, hunters harvest more than twenty million, but the morning dove remains one of our most abundant birds, with the U.S. population estimated at three hundred and fifty million. That's yeah. a lot of fucking birds. It's sick. So, all right, yeah. So there's a there's a Carolina pigeon for every one of us. Yeah, right? I was gonna Which say, is isn't there's that a our Carolina population? pigeon for everyone. That's what you get when you become a citizen. <laughs> and um, I mean, there are a bunch of weird factoids about these things. Like apparently, um, like other doves or pigeons, they have these crazy age ranges where in the wild, they average about two and a half years uh, mortality, but they can live up to 30 years. Holy fuck. Um, so this is, that's crazy. The other thing I didn't know um, about them, well, like, again, like other pigeons, they are wicked fast. So I think the the average street pigeon has like a sick uh, a top speed of like 65 miles an hour. Um, the morning dove is a little bit slower, coming in at 55. Both of these are speed limits, by the way. I mean, that's um, a... That's a fucking. This is a respectable. That is an absolutely respectable speed. flying. Yeah. And this speed. is like a horizontal speed, right? These, these aren't like divers, like, you know, falcons or raptors. I mean, these are just. This is like flying from point A to point B. Um, they're super down to fuck. They have. <laughs> they have six broods a year, and uh, and like uh, some other um, cool birds that we've already talked about, the cardinals. Um, they both. Um, rear the young uh, they actually both incubate so the the males will sit on eggs in the morning and then take off in the afternoon and the evening and uh, when the females take over and then uh, when the young hatch they're fed what's called crop milk so they have um, yeah. the pigeons have a crop which is like a and it's sort of like a sack <laughs> an esophageal sack and uh, they fill this with seeds and stuff like that so they'll, they'll so when you see them down on the ground um they collect seeds into this sack. They, they're not eating, eating. They're just like stuffing their sacks and then they fly. <laughs> okay, I, I won't say sack anywhere. It's a crop. They stuff the crops and then they'll fly to someplace safe and then they'll they'll sort of digest. They'll swallow and digest these things. But this crop secretes something called crop milk. And this is what the young are fed uh, for the first three or four days of life. That's fucking disgusting. I Thank guess you. flamingos crop do this milk? too. Crop milk. And um, and then they move almost to an exclusively vegetarian diet of, of seeds from that point on. Crop milk. Crop milk. I'm never not going to know about crop milk now. It's like when I learned how cloacas work, <laughs> and now I know how a pigeon throat works, yeah. and it's just as terrifying to think about 
crop milk. You're welcome. Can you imagine if that's what how you fed your child? Like, if well, you guys were just sitting around digesting a bunch of food and secreting milk out of your throat? Sometimes. I, I do it out of my nipples. Yeah, I was going to so. say. Sometimes, sometimes Heather would probably prefer that, actually, when he's, like, getting chompy. Those hold, little keepers. Hold on. I just need to puke in my son's mouth real fast. Yep. It's cool. It's crop milk. Yep. <laughs> Fucking gross. Apparently, um... The flamingos and the male emperor penguin does this crop milk. Yeah. See, now penguins for me, I'm never going to look at a penguin the same way again. Just be like, you are a dirty, dirty creature secreting awful stuff called crop milk into your and, baby's and mouth. It's the nectar of life, Sean. That is and this is weird because it says an, 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 this is an analog to crop milk is also secreted from the esophagus of flamingos and the male emperor penguin. An Ew. analog. See, this is what I would like about it because the male is able to help. I can fake it. Right. It's like, it's like yeah, you can, you can latch on there, Boopy. It's not real milk. <laughs> But it's an analog. <laughs> I would have loved that at the be- in the beginning months with James. If anything comes out of there, I'm sorry. <laughs> man, there's nothing like when you're breastfeeding your newborn and you're just looking at your husband's useless nipples. Oh, man. And they're hairy <laughs> and useless. Yeah. Your nipples are Doesn't useless. Doesn't stop him from trying to bite them. Oh, fuck. Um, Let's stop talking about nipples. Sorry. Heather, you got to have something better for us than oh, nipples Oh, my now. God. We've yeah. said nipples so many times in this episode. Already, so. <laughs> Leave it to me. Um, <laughs> I have a- angry birds. So, um, I, so I've been doing the social medias for uh, the podcast. So, so she you, needs... You can mm-hmm. follow us on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. I found them all connected. I was really bad about it this week, but I did find an article and I shared on our um, Facebook and Twitter about angry birds. Um, the um, <laughs> the male red winged blackbird um, is apparently known to Beth Cosen. <laughs> who is, who is we're calling you out Beth, Beth. She's known to, they're known to her yeah what what did they what she says <laughs> what was her description of the uh, blackbird she's a um scientist of some sort but now I can't find it <laughs> she's a sorry well, we Beth. know she's we'll, a scientist we'll yeah. follow this up with some details in the program notes where did it go where did it go anyway we'll uh, edit this out um we're not gonna edit. No, out. Beth Cosen. She. It's funny because if you look, you look up her name. It's like red winged blackbirds come up. Um. But anyway, she calls them nature's asshole. <laughs> 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 she has a BS in environmental science and geography from DePaul. Congratulations on your <laughs> yeah, good job. And calling out red winged blackbirds as nature's asshole. Is that is that a scientific? I think so. Observation. I think so. So basically, red-winged blackbird attacks are on the rise because, thanks climate change, um, their habitats are growing increasingly smaller, and so they have to defend their territory um, since, you know, there's no shortage of red-winged blackbirds. I think there's probably as many as red-winged blackbirds as there are uh, Carolina pigeons. Carolina pigeons, yeah. <laughs> 
Talk about ubiquitous. Uh, yeah, if you've ever seen a cloud of red-winged oh blackbirds my. in March, you you know that we're, there's no shortage. Maybe we should yeah. um, eat them too. Don't eat the red-winged blackbirds. It probably tastes like anger and hatred. Steve right now is listening to us and very angry. Yeah. Um, Sorry, Steve. He's got a tattoo of a red-winged blackbird. Yeah, it's a friend of ours. There, that's a good. It's a good bird to have a tattoo of. Yeah. It, it's very emotive. It's pretty sick. sick. So yeah, so they're on the rise, and so so people are getting like body slammed by <laughs> red-winged <laughs> red angry birds, angry red-winged blackbirds, which apparently they are a very common um, attack. You know, attacking bird, but I've never. I've never heard of this. So I've been around them when they've been angry, uh, all riled up. Yeah, like walking along. Um, for last year for the summer bird count, I did some some stuff near like some of the marshes mm-hmm. where they're nesting, and the closer I got to the marsh, the louder they got, and then they started flying around me. None okay. of them actually dive bomb me, but they. Definitely were threatening me, like just circling over my I head. I just thought they were always yeah. loud. But I mean, so tell me this. Are they like, do you think that we're seeing a real change in their behavior? Or are we just becoming more aware uh, because the news doesn't have anything to talk about? No, An- Andrea Jones, the director of bird conservation for the Cal- California chapter of environmental organization. California. Uh, anyway, she says attacks are definitely rising. The increase we're seeing is because we're encroaching on bird habitats. Yeah, I was gonna say it's just proximity. If you're if you're if you're closer to them, you know, especially while they're yeah in breeding mode, yeah, you're gonna. So the, were they're not changing behavior? Yeah. I think so. I read a bunch of stuff that came up about this, and people were getting really shitty online, as is typical, mm-hmm. talking about how like behavior and is changing in the birds and blah 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 mm. blah like which is obviously not fucking true no. you're just getting too close to him yeah. daddy like back off <laughs> it's like yeah when you start encroaching on territory of lions and tigers and bears yeah you start seeing maulings and, <laughs> and killings increase it's not because they're suddenly we're just angry yeah, we're just lucky they don't have sharp teeth yeah uh huh that's weird yeah, no, that's I mean, that's what we they could do. live in Australia and be getting attacked Wait, by so fucking is magpies. It, is so. it the, that's, is the that's same That's what's on the same article, oh, or what, no. not the same article that I shared, but uh, the one that I was looking at. They, there is a video of a cyclist um, in Australia getting repeatedly attacked by a, a magpie. Do you think it, the same water that's turning the frogs gay is causing red winged blackbirds to become violent? Uh, it's also the same water that alligators are eating. Or drinking or living in, turning into meth gators. So, meth gators. Yeah. So what we're really just Ooh. seeing is meth gators, meth red winged blackbirds, and meth frogs. I love this. And we're influencing their behavior through. Okay, meth, meth gators on the news item so for the next So it's not song. climate change, it's meth. Oh, it's absolutely meth. It's huh. just Florida, honestly. Florida ba- bath salts everything. and yeah. meth. Bath salts, meth, Florida all around. Florida. Florida. We're just, it's just the shit that lives in the basement of the United States. <laughs> Meth gators. The basement of the Sorry, United States. Is, that's Florida. Florida. <laughs> Florida is absolutely the basement of the United States. Oh, man. <laughs> they might have pink birds, painted bunnings, all sorts of pink rare birds. Pink birds that uh, produce crop milk. Crop milk. Ugh, fucking crop milk. <laughs> uh, gross. They get awesome birds in Florida, but they can also suck it. So, Yeah. We'll add that to the list of states that I'm going to... Tell where they can shove it. 
What states haven't you alienated yet? I'm working my way through all of them. We all haven't right. talked about enough of them yet. Don't We're up to F. Idaho, Georgia, you're next. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so that leads us to our main topic, which is Birding 101. Yeah. Birding 101. We're trying to be more um, regimented. I don't know if it's working. <laughs> no, it went off the rails during the news section. But um, well, so we're we've been still getting under a lot an of, hour, so we're yes. doing great. Well, for now. We're trying um, not to torture you for too long. So we've been getting feedback on Facebook and Instagram and some and on, Reddit and the Twitters and the Reddits. Um, oh, yeah. We should just say fucking thank you to people. Yes. Yeah. yeah honestly, thank you so much. Um, it really. All five of you. Yeah. Really yeah. appreciate it. But there's more. There's so many more people because I'm seeing the analytics come in. So you're out there and we you're listening. Don't and know who you are. We don't know what's wrong with you. Yeah, why? But please contact us. Yeah, let us know. Let, talk, uh, the feedback that we us. have gotten from the five of you weirdos uh, is that you're interested in uh, sort of introduction to birding tips. So a lot of you are just starting out. Um, birding is taking off, just like D&D. Welcome to the super, fold. Super popular. Um and uh, and yeah, so we've been we've been thinking about this for a while and just haven't had the time until now. Um, uh, we made attempts to do this. Yeah, we edited we, out of the last banter. Episode. Yeah, we have yeah. absolutely gone off the rails every fucking time. It yeah. was horrible. <laughs> yeah. So today uh, we we actually do have uh, a few tips for you. Um, I think Heather's going to start it off. Um, what you got? With some recommendations. Uh, I'll follow up with some stuff about binoculars. Sean will follow that up with uh, some stuff about using uh, digital tools like um, eBird and uh, Merlin. eBird. So um, my first tip for birding 101 is kind of obvious, but it's to bird with friends or join a club. So... Um, you can search the internets and see if there's a local birding club in your area. If you don't have any friends that bird, like if you're completely, you know, don't have close friends. And if you're anything like me, <laughs> a fucking loner. Yeah. Well, so yeah, I mean, like it, bir joining a bird club is a, is a good first step. I mean, I feel kind of guilty saying this because Scott and I have never joined a bird club. We just we hate clubs. Yeah. And we don't play well with others. Yeah, we just ended up having friends that just so happened to be into birding. Exactly. So it kind of worked out for us. But one thing I could, you know, would recommend too is just when you're out and you're at on a, you know, birding and you meet other people to, you know, reach out and talk to them and get their deets. Don't touch them. Don't, don't reach out. Right. Don't literally reach close. out. But... Definitely talk to them. Yeah. <laughs> um, don't be afraid. And because birders are generally, you know. They're people too. Yeah, they're people too. Um, just real quick, um, audubon.org forward slash about forward slash audubon dash near dash you. Oh, that's, not, that's <laughs> a really. Google this. Um, we'll link to it in the yeah, episode. Yeah, so they have, a, they, have a, they have a nice little tab here. Explore the Audubon network. You can choose this by state. Um, so I just like randomly chose uh, Pennsylvania, the Keystone State, and uh, and I'm looking at offices and chapters, and geez, like lots. There's a lot of Johnstown, Camp Hill, 
uh, Audubon, <laughs> go figure. <laughs> Pittsburgh, uh, Slippery Rock, New Hope, uh, Fayetteville, Milford, uh, Dallas, Tyrone. Yeah. It goes on so and on. So basically, the whole, fucking state. the whole state. Um, but they have each each one of these uh, has uh, a website. There's an ad, a contact address, and um, and when you look at this list, if they don't have your town, so there's no Lancaster here. There's York. Boo. Uh, but there's no Lancaster. I just yeah, Googled <laughs> Lancaster Bird Club and literally LancasterBirdClub.org popped up. And this is the Lancaster County Bird Club. And we actually met uh, one of these uh, members at a barbecue over the 4th of July weekend celebrating the greatness of America. Thank you. Um, <laughs> well said. <laughs> yeah. These websites may be terrible because they're run by old people, but don't let yeah. that dissuade you from reaching out. Um, and then uh, Sean brought up a, a good point before we started recording is that to look for um, your local birding Facebook group. There's a Connecticut bird uh, Facebook group that we're a part of. For better, for worse. (laughs) (laughs) The best part of joining a birding Facebook group is the fucking drama. And Karen, who always thinks she sees a a pigeon and wants to know what it is. Yeah, come on, Karen, get your fucking guidebook out. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my god, there's a whole other Facebook group for bird ID. Just get on there. The majestic Carolina pigeon. (laughs) (laughs) Um. Yeah. So you know that. I definitely recommend just finding anyone else to bird with because when you're first starting out, it's it's really good to have someone else to be like, yeah, I saw this about the bird or I saw that about the bird because you might notice different details and that'll help you narrow down um, what that bird is. And it might find you, um, you might find yourself figuring out what kind of birder you are as mm-hmm. well because we, uh, we are a spectrum <laughs> as everybody I think is aware mm-hmm. um, in so many ways and uh, you know we're we three are very different birders but we get along really well because like we bring something different yeah we each. fucking swear yeah we swear a lot in the woods and that's <laughs> we alien. swear in the woods we're just standing in the middle of the woods swearing at things where the fuck <laughs> is the morning warbler well oh, there it is. yeah and you find out that like you know there's only so much you can talk about in terms of birds when you're like trudging through the woods so you know you got to find people that you know you can talk about other things with yeah if you don't find yourself in good mm. company it's not that fucking cool no. Mm. no no i think that's all that's all really good and really relevant right now especially because hopefully most of you are that are listening aren't old as hell um and newer and younger because that's what we need mm. uh use the internet that's, yeah, that's that a, thing that you're already using. Yeah, that yeah. thing that you can't let go of. Your phone is full oh, of God. information. So uh, when you do grab uh, your friends and head out to the woods, uh, my pro tip is to bring a pair of binoculars with you. Um, Which and, is and funny that you prefer. <laughs> I, would, I just want to interject because you know how many fucking people are like, oh, so you use binoculars when you go birding? What? Hmm. Yes, I use fucking binoculars. <laughs> Life count, seven. Yeah. <laughs> Don't use binoculars. <laughs> What's the point if you can't actually see what you're trying to look at? Sorry. I just no. wanted to make sure that we, this is, Scott bringing this up is not as like silly as it sounds to talk about uh, like you need to bring binoculars. Yeah. You fucking need to bring binoculars. Well, and the, and the other thing is, is you know, 
a good pair of binoculars, and we'll talk about what good means in a second, um, really is is sort of game changing for for your experience of birding. And like having everybody in the group have their own pair oh, is, man. is really sharing. important. Like sharing is a is in a real the early drag. days. And like, Scott and I would share. Yeah, I mean, you know, and 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 like if you're traveling, you just have a travel pair, and you're going back and forth. It, it's just a drag because someone will be like, you know. Oh my God, it's coughing up crop milk. And then the other person's like, I want to see. And then like, by the time you switch, like there's no more crop milk and the Carolina pigeons flown. So, um, but get your own fucking binoculars. yeah, so get your own binoculars. Um, you don't have to break the bank to do this. So, nope, um, you your humble, uh, hosts and heroes, uh, Sean and Scott both use, um, pairs in the $150 range. Um, so I use the um, Vortex Diamondbacks, um, and those are about a buck sixty-ish, depending where you get them. Um, you can absolutely get them used. Um, you can also get them at a lot of your Audubons. Will offer good deals on optics uh, mm. and the opportunity sometimes to try them. Yeah, um, Sean uses uh, Nikon Pro Staff Three S's, um, which are in the buck thirty, buck forty range. Um, Heather's Heather's breaking the bank with uh, Nikon Monarchs. Look, um, I'm a job creator. At so. like two sixty <laughs> to two eighty, and uh, job creator. But I looked can... it up, guys. I paid three hundred dollars for them in 2015. But then now I know when I started birding, which was 2015. It was a birthday present to myself. Look, I got I I mean I got bit hard by the bird bug. Heather's both judging herself yeah. and defending herself yeah, to I, herself. Look, I hate, I hate myself. On air. Yeah, this is too, this I is like myself classic. for finding the greatest hobby and spending too much money on the coolest thing I purchased this season. I this is classic. Don't regret. Beautiful. This is classic Heather. All right. Inside um, Heather's head. You can, get <laughs> a mess. Che- you can get cheaper iCans than this. Um, don't get but, cheaper but iCans But like this. really <laughs> don't because... Um, we got a pair. Of, I think they were like eighty dollar Bushnells, and they they're just like. Here's the difference. Um, if well, first of all, you can know the difference by just going to your local shop. Okay, you can get the stuff on Amazon, but like, go to your local shop. We have a place called the Fat Robin. You can go there, talk to real people. They'll help you buy stuff. Um, they're really informative. You can look through all of the binoculars while you're there. You can bring them back. They send them in for repair for you if you ever drop them. I mean, it's just like you want to form a relationship with these people. Support local. Support, like, the families and, and the people uh, in your neighborhoods. Don't buy these on Amazon. Yeah, we're so lucky um, at the Fat Robin. But we have the we have the Audubon shop in Madison, Connecticut, mm. too. Over It's right near Hammond Asset. And again... They're just like you guys are talking about with the Fat Robin. They're the same. Like they're like gung ho for birds, and they want you to see have good optics, and they're willing to do whatever. They sell used everything. We are really uh, very very fortunate. Yeah, yeah I would have never thought before birding. Like I would have never even thought like there would be a birding store. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, but they're out there. So at this birding store, um, you look through these binoculars, and what you'll see through a good pair is that um, everything is crystal clear, and there's a, a sense of depth to what you're looking at, mm-hmm. right? It's it's three-dimensional. The bushnells were flat. <laughs> and and it, when you get a really bad pair, 
of binoculars cheap it's just like staring at a picture of reality yeah it's it's very sort of two-dimensional and flat looking Mm -hmm. and that's really difficult to pick stuff out Mm -hmm. uh, especially if you're looking through brush and trees Mm -hmm. Uh, you don't want to do it save yourself the hassle Um, you will you will love life and birding much more yeah absolutely unless you're really 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 good with uh, your eyesight and motors like have some weird fucking control over your mm. uh, ability to focus your eyes like through these things yep honestly Ow. spend the, just wait an extra two weeks for your next paycheck to throw another 30 bucks at him to like get yeah, yeah i just it. can't believe like i can even just think well i'm such a, i'm a visual person but i can just think about the flat image of the bushnells versus the clear crisp like yeah true to life of of the monarchs or the um the vortex diamondbacks it's night and day really it really brings the bird to life and if you're gonna spend time in the woods and you want to see these birds like you're gonna want to see them truer to life yeah and it's about locating them too like when 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 you're looking through a bad pair of cans like it's it's really hard to to locate and to spot um which brings me to just the last thing that i'll say about them um which is the magnification level. This is really important. Um, if you're not, if you're just getting into birding and you haven't spent a lot of time looking through binoculars, um, maybe don't go for really high magnitude. Um, so that's the first number. So you'll you'll see something like, um, Sean, I think you use... I use 10. 10s. Okay, so you use 10, 10 by 42, 10, 10, 10 x 42. Yeah. I use um, 8 by 48. I think that's what Heather uses as well. Mm-hmm. Um, 8 by 42. 8 by 42. 8 by 42. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sean is 10 by 42 and we're both 8, 8 by, by 42. 42. Um, so, th- so that first number is the, is the magnification. So something that is either 8 in our case or 10 times closer to you and Sean's and it, case. That, that affects, from as I understand it, correct me if I'm wrong because I don't really know anything about optics, that affects the field of vision it, the, it, your field of vision, right? So, like the yes. eights, you get more in the you field of vision, but with tens, you get a little bit closer. Closer, uh, but, it but also, it's harder to spot. Yeah, it definitely is harder to spot. People say that all the time about mm-hmm. mine. They don't like to use mine because that you get a lot more shaking and stuff. But which I don't notice because I've been using them so much. But I'm always jealous when I pick up someone else's <laughs> vortexes or. You know, God forbid, you know, somebody with a parasite or mm-hmm. something like that that fucking just makes you super jealous. And there's a massive, massive difference when you start spending more and more money right. on how good they are. That I know. I don't know why. I just know that they're yeah, better. I mean, but there's also, I mean, there are trade-offs too. You know, if, if you're doing this even just casually at first, you also don't necessarily want like... You know, so the second number is the diameter. That's essentially the the circumference of the of the of the lens itself, right? So that's the or diameter. So forty two is forty two millimeters. Um, Fifty would would be larger. It would let in more light. Um, it would also be more glass and would be heavier, mm-hmm. right? So this is why when you see bird photographers carrying around, you know, massive lenses, you know, they're the the end of these telescoping lenses are just absolutely massive and they they let in a ton of light you know but they they weigh a ton they're not it's like super convenient there there are some other drawbacks depending on your price point too but hmm. you know so if you if you're looking for a good introductory pair again maybe grab an, an 8x42 of you know whatever your favorite brand i do like uh the vortexes because they have a non 
like and, well, and let me state really quickly we're we're not getting any money for this we're not we're not like nobody is paying us to say any of this um, why would anyone <clears throat> pay us for anything <clears throat> but send me some binoculars yeah. if you want. <laughs> like nobody's paying us is it but the reason i went with the with the vortex uh was because um i can drop these out a window and take them back to the fat robin and they will mail them off and vortex will fix them for free and send them back so, um, so the next time you come across that some like racist piece of shit in one of the parks or smash them bigot, with your you vortexes hit them with your vortex if you have nikons please back. think twice because it's not guaranteed that they'll fix them but they did fix heather's um heather's trip and fall uh monarchs if yeah. you've listened to earlier episodes uh, you know what we're talking about um and they did fix them for free so that was like twelve dollars Shipping and handling, and that was was taken care of too. Anyway, it's worth investing. It is worth investing a little bit more, is what it comes down to. I think everybody will tell you that, but Scott's making some really good points on that. Buy some something fancy from something lo- someone local. It's the way to do it. Keep keep your keep your friends in business. Um, for me, I think tips for me. I, I was going to talk about Ebert a little bit. Um. We've talked about Merlin, I think, a bunch of times, and Merlin's a great app to use. An ID app of any sort is a really good option. There are a ton of them out there. Um, I think uh, iBird is a popular one. That's a paid app, but it's super in-depth. You get 3D modeling and stuff like that, which is really cool. Um, Merlin is free. It's... uh, I think it's run by Cornell, um, so it integrates really well with all of their other uh, apps and sites and stuff like that, um, one of which is eBird. Um, So I talk about rare birds a lot and my chases a lot, and that uh, the way that I do this, the way that I know that there are things is by setting up these email alerts that eBird has um, as, as a potential. So, And it's really fucking easy to do. So the first thing you do is go to eBird and make an account because you should be sharing your data. It, they eBird is using everything that you put in, establishing so much data, making making it easier for us to know like what's going on in breeding and stuff like that. So um, sign up for eBird. Um, but what you do when you get to the eBird uh, homepage is click on My eBird. It's in the top, your third selection in, um, and go to the right. Uh, bar the sidebar full of links and click on manage my alerts it's very easy and in there there's gonna be a couple of options one is ABA rarities that covers the full ABA region you're gonna get daily alerts about like what's rare and that's just kind of cool to know what's around and sometimes you're lucky but the real the real uh, the real good ones are in the rare bird alerts and the needs alerts and you can choose down from county state province or country you can get them daily you can get them hourly um so i have a crap load set up um but my i have the rare birds alert for connecticut coming in hourly and that's what I use. Yeah. Fucking Sean. So all night, I, two a.m., three a.m., four a.m. Yeah, he's up. Nicole's he's looking at like, the alerts. Shut it off. Yeah. So they're like they come and in. Also, as it's like a you... it's like a red ho- it's a red tail hawk scream. Yeah. That's your alert <laughs> notification sound. <laughs> Can you imagine that? Would be hilarious. Um, so they the, the 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 alerts come in through email and they tell you where they've been seen. They give you a link to a map, a link to the eBird checklist, 
um, which will bring up a lot of more information on that site um, for that hotspot. It's really, really uh, super helpful tool. And I find I hear a lot from people. They're like, oh, how did you hear about this? And like, oh, my, you know, just an eBird alert. And they're like, oh, you can do that. Yes, you can do that. I eBird didn't is know it. sick. Yeah, eBird's awesome. There are a couple of other things. Most states have a listserv, so it's your duty That's to what find I would that. Check. Yeah, I, I check the listserv, but the listserv tends to be Ugh. spotty at best. We've um, already talked about that. Yeah, outside of migration, it's kind of like a dead zone. But eBird has these alerts, and it's amazing. Um, and that's so me and anybody else that I know that's like a for sure like a chaser, a twitcher, like a lister that are using eBird alerts. Um, it's really easy. Um, you can edit them. You can unsubscribe if you don't want to hear it anymore. I'm moving north, farther north in Connecticut, so I just set up a Massachusetts rare alert so I can cross the border and get some cool stuff in Mass. Um, I, I think that that's the best tool you can use, honestly, if you're uh, trying to figure out what's where. You get a good idea of like dispersion. You can kind of fi figure out uh, migration patterns, all sorts of stuff, just through the alerts. And There's something really cool, too, about just like seeing an alert pop up. It's in a town you've never been to. Like, oh, grab, like a grab storm Google, chaser. Grab, go, yeah, go, go. Exactly. Yeah, grab absolutely. Google Maps and deploy and get, get out there and get your bird nerd go bag. Yeah. yeah. We, I mean, you got to have a bug out bag. Bug Ooh, out. A bird out bag. A, a bird out, out bag. bag. Oh, yeah. we should sell bird out bags. That's a good idea. <laughs> good change. I'm totally yeah, into this I mean, idea. The the red crossbills are one that, that that rare bird alert came up, and I was like, well, if they're still there this day, I'm going to go. That's when I have time. And mm -hmm. man, like, I've never been to that part of the state. Right. I and I d realized driving through there that I was driving past other hot spots like signs for other places that I'd been reading about and like, oh man, the concentration is alarming like when you get there and it like alarming in that you've been ignoring this for a really, <laughs> right. really long time yeah. and you've suddenly been sleeping on it. Yeah, like now I know where I can find some rough grouse if I want to like go go look for rough grouse. Looking and stuff for like some that. rough. Yeah, it's pretty cool like I don't know. I, 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 so that's for me, that's like, I think that's the best thing you can do as yeah. a new birder. Set up eBird and learn how to use the yep. alerts. Click through. It's getting really easy to use on your phone. Good job, guys. They're, oh, yeah. yeah. Their updates are so, better and better. So that was the thing that when we were in um, Pennsylvania and I opened up um, eBird to mm -hmm. check um, uh, that a hawk that we saw was, was indeed a Cooper's hawk, um, I saw at the very top the black bellied whistling duck. Yeah. And I was like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> I thought it was just like, you know, why is this coming up? And then the next day I found out, oh, it's a rare bird in the area. And that's why they pushed it to the top. the top. And I was yeah, like, really cool. holy shit, Ebert, you're totally... Uh, up in the game. Yeah, up in the game. Incidentally, that's actually the sound of the whistling duck. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> bird fact. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and the last tip, which I'll go over really quickly, is just to establish a patch. Now, I was, we were lucky that we had a park nearby, um, and I would just go to that park all the time. And then you, you start seeing the same birds over and over again, which is good because then you start to really notice their behavior and seeing what's, you know, typical. And then once those birds kind of become you know, noise, like you get used to that, then you actually start seeing the birds that you haven't seen before. Um, because you'll notice that what whatever bird you're seeing is not doing something that's typical. It stands out. And then it's like, you know, it kind of opens up the field to you a bit more. 
So, um, you know, wherever you decide to go, go to that place pretty often. Um, make that your go-to place. Um, and that will actually really help you. You'll think like, well, I'm just seeing the same birds over and over again. But actually, you'll you'll get to really understand um, the birds a lot more. Yeah, I think there's something to be said, too. You get to better uh, understanding of local ecology mm -hmm. and what influences different species yeah. coming in. It's really cool, yeah, actually. Yeah, it is really cool, especially if you're in a place that offers a diverse range in one patch like you like you said we're really fucking lucky to live in connecticut right next to a New hot Haven spot Downing, yeah like right next to some really awesome birding spots but it, you're you're totally right establishing yeah. a patch i would add that if you have a patch that's not on ebird you can suggest it as a hot spot it's another cool thing you can do to mm. add to the local diversity in your state it also tracks Inter it's like the interstices of uh, breeding ranges and stuff like that that people might be missing. So mm -hmm. that's another thing. And the other thing I'll add to that is that I determined East Rock Park as our, our local patch because when I first got into it, I mean, I, I was at East Rock, but then I looked on eBird and saw that this was like the Mecca hotspot in yeah, the area. Yeah. So you'll see it be, you know, these spots of bright red. And that's where you kind of, you know, look mm -hmm. for a spot that's red around your area that's a hot you know mm -hmm. a really happening hot spot with a lot of species and and that is a good choice it doesn't yeah, mean we, that there isn't something awesome right around the oh corner no from you too that nobody knows about absolutely but those are those no are but great it's, it's better to, to start. start yeah it's worth searching but it's definitely keeping it uh keeping it to one patch is a really good idea ebird you can explore hot spots on ebird and under the explore tab um you go in there and you can find different hot spots or find your county this is like what Heather's talking about. This is how she uses she's she uses eBird to find like red zones, which are red tagged hotspots, and and there's something to be said about that. And you can also know that if there are blue blue or other colors around you, like less birded or less um, like a smaller species count, it's probably worth going to check those mm -hmm. out because be there's probably more there than people are. Reporting. Yeah, because we moved away, and you know we've been seeing. S you know, species like um, the Cooper's hawk, and it'll say on our eBird, you know, uncommon. Well, no, it's only, and Sean pointed this out to me, it's only uncommon because there's not a lot of people reporting in this specific mm -hmm. area. Yeah, that's often the case. Um, so there, that's what I mean, putting your data in, yeah. why it's so crucial to be adding data. Sometimes it's just an underreported species yep. or something like that, or it's a dead zone for birding. So it's always worth it and not, you know, learning what's supposed to be there, learning what you're seeing all the time. I think it's a really good point, and that's a probably a really good fucking place to wrap up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. absolutely. Yes, yeah, so we, we won't pound on you any longer with your digital obligations. <laughs> Except for following us on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and reaching out to us on those platforms or on the website itself, because um, we'd really love to hear from you. Yeah. Um, Reddit. Apparently is a yeah. really good way to get in touch with us that I just learned about. Thank you. I just made a Reddit so that you we... just learned about Reddit. Um, I really did. <laughs> yeah, I, the last person on earth, uh, Sean, to find out about Reddit. <laughs> Thank and you. sorry, <laughs> and um, you know, uh, let us know if this new format uh, for banter episodes uh, was great and um, what or you'd like not. to hear or not <laughs> um, and you know what do you want to hear about on future episodes uh, we're really open um, to listening to you guys and you know if you have a guest that you yeah. you would like to hear like we'll reach out Sean will email anyone absolutely 
Um, and on upcoming episodes, we have um, a friend of ours, Robin, who is uh, someone who does a lot of, uh, what is it, civic? Robin is hot for conservation and thinks of it as her, it's her civic duty to spread the good word of conservation and birds to every single person yeah in the whole world yeah she's she's she's, probably gonna do it she's not necessarily like part of a specific group i mean she is but she's really just taking it she's a force of nature yeah she's taking it on herself to make the change and and that's awesome and also we're going to be talking to um a wildlife rehabilitator from um the sharon audubon who took care of a little wood duck uh so that'll be a really cool episode so reach out um and Get the fuck out and bird. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Bye.